Hi, and welcome to Custodians Podcast. I'm Vincent McMahon, and I'll be sharing insights from my book, Custodians, uh, but also from nature, science, indigenous wisdom, and psychology, and um, giving uh, some stories, uh, some amazingly positive things that are happening around the world. And I'd like to think it'd be pretty um, organic, so uh, that it grows wherever you know, wherever it needs to go, uh, getting feedback from uh, you listening and also, uh, you know, adding in things like maybe some guests, some music, but um, just wanting to see where it goes. I think there are some conversations that are being had that I'd like to include uh, on the podcast and uh, we'll be delighted to get any feedback. So for this one, the first podcast, uh, I titled it Southern Exposure. Uh, I live in Southern Italy, so it's amazing with the technology that uh, I could do a podcast from the top of the hill uh, in a tiny little medieval village that's just still uh, quite quite special to be able to do that um, I guess the other reason for calling it Southern Exposure is uh, I don't know if anybody remembers the TV series Northern Exposure which was about a Canadian village um, quite quirky people living living in there and uh, I really, really loved it. So, uh, so it was uh, a, a bit of a nod to uh, to, the, to the folks that created uh, Northern Exposure, and um, a nice to be able to to, to do on on on, uh, on Southern Italy uh, where I live. So I wanted to start by just you know talking about interconnections and you know where I live. I I always get the sense that those connections are still you know visible. They're still intact. So, you know, the locals still drink from the fountains here, um, the water, and, and also the fountains have different um, uh, effects. So, so that some fountains are, are more of a diuretic uh, use from a, a health point of view. Others are for a total body uh, um, healing effect. Um, so, so the locals know exactly which fountain has which um, uh, health, health effect, which I think is really Kind of blows my mind to know that they're not just drinking from the fountains, but they've they've worked out which which water has which uh, which which effect. So those type of things are still intact here. Uh, the the vegetables, you know, again are are grown in small local organic uh, gardens, and they they're taken into the to the kitchens and and made into like phenomenal meals, which southern Italy is 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 renowned for. Um, the small little vineyards, tiny little vineyards, uh, the, the grapes are again uh, made into wine and the wine is drank by the people in the village. So, you know, the connections, because they're so visible and because they're so intact, the, the locals aren't going to spray pesticides on the grapes because they're going to drink the wine. You know, that's like a direct, it's a direct connection. So I guess for me, when, you know, when we look at those interconnections, uh, they can get lost in a global sense, but in a local uh, uh, environment, uh, when the, when you see them as still being intact, there's a direct link between nature, people, and food, um, and when that's still visible and still uh, available to to almost touch, um, I th- I think you know we go back to the basic levels of why humans are still here on the planet because. And there's the there's the bell of the church in the village. Um, so I think 
you know, we need to go back to those basics because we get lost in the in a large global setting where a lot of the uh, you know food or um, the environment and all tends can tend to be away from our 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 own experience. So it's it's just a joy, I guess, to live in a place where those connections are still um, are still here and. You know, I would I would class the people here as being custodians of, of those connections. You know, they keep um, those connections alive um, by 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 using them every day. You know, and and the connections go wider than than that. And that you know, we're only here, I guess, two and a half years, um, having driven here from Ireland. Uh, but but the support of those connections um, is is palpable only uh, during the week. I was. Uh, taking a, a delivery from Ikea, yes, yes, got, got some furniture from Ikea, and uh, the Ikea truck uh, arrived up at the top square, but couldn't make it any further, couldn't make it down the little uh, medieval streets, couldn't make it down the medieval little hills. So I was feeling a bit lost up at the church. Uh, the, the Ikea truck just basically, and we agreed to just leave the boxes on the ground. Um, and just at that moment, uh, Ricardo comes around in his in his in his van, a friend, and uh, he borrowed one of the small little uh, three wheel Piaggios, which I didn't think I could fit all the boxes. Like the, some of the some of the stuff was quite quite heavy. Um, he had no problem. He could he could put all the all the boxes into the back of the Piaggio and headed off down the hill uh, down to the house. So I, scurry down the hill after him uh, got to the house and um, he uh, proceeded to take the boxes off asked me where the boxes were going to go um, and give me a hand to load the boxes in uh, to the to underneath the underneath the apartment just as I was trying to thank him for all of this um, he proceeds to invite me for a meal uh, up in his house so it's I'm just literally overwhelmed by the by, by the giving and the support which is just normal uh, it's just normal here it's 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 treated as that's just what uh, what everybody does and it was funny because the day before i'd been out in uh, walking the dogs out along the uh, the, the the roads uh, in the morning and viaggio um, another friend was up in his vegetable garden like it sounds i'm talking to you and it sounds kind of dreamy but like He's, this is the way it happened. I'm just walking the dogs out, out the road. Biagio's up in his vegetable garden. I kind of wave, Bion Bongiorno, to good morning to him. And uh, uh, he beckons me into the vegetable garden, shows me what he's done. He's cleared the vegetable garden. He's beginning to plant. And uh, he uh, asks me, would I like a section of his vegetable garden to grow my own uh, vegetables? Like, uh, incredible. Um, and it's all cleared, ready to ready to plant. No excuses for me to get the vegetables, get the vegetables in. Um, so, so I guess Ricardo helping me with the IKEA uh, boxes and you know in his Piaggio down the little medieval streets came very quickly. You know after getting a, a part of a of an orto, a vegetable garden from from Piaggio. So it's it it at some level it, it can almost be overwhelming to get. That much giving and that much uh, that much support uh, from from the local community, but that's 
that's life here. That's life in southern Italy. And I guess they have to be like that because they need to be self-sufficient um, uh, and have needed to be over, over the years. But it is a joy. It's a joy to live with all these interconnections and see the interconnections intact. In um, what I found really interesting, though, was when I was writing the book, uh, to find some global interconnections that just absolutely blew me away. One of them is the Baudelaire depression in the Sahara. And every time I talk about it, um, it still never ceases to amaze me that this actually happens. So in the Sahara, there's, a, there's, a, there's an old lake. Uh, it's, it's now a dry dust bowl because the lake has dried out. And uh, twice a year, the winds blow in. They lift up the dust from the bottom of the lake up into the stratosphere and that gets blown across uh, and rained down over the Amazon. So that's, you're taking dust from the Sahara, from a lake bed, dry to a lake bed in Sahara, and you're blowing it west uh, across the Atlantic Ocean where it gets rained down on the Sahara. Now, the Sahara needs uh, uh, the dust because the dust includes nutrients that are very valuable to the Sahara. Um, What's quite amazing is if you look at actually how it happens, the dust, in order for the dust to lift, sorry, the winds to lift the dust up in the air, the winds have to actually uh, come in from a certain angle. They come into the, to these mountains, they funnel in through these mountains. The scientists call it a focusing effect. So they funnel in through these mountains and at the end of the funnel, they drop down, they swoop down into the depression and lift up the dust from the bottom of the lake bed and lift it up into the into the air into the stratosphere now at the point that it gets up into the stratosphere it could go anywhere really you know when you think about it it could head off to china it could go to the north pole it could go anywhere but actually twice a year the prevailing winds bring it west across the atlantic and it rains down on the amazon like to think of the mechanics involved to get that over to the Amazon. When the scientists actually studied the dust, they found that it was made up of uh, fish bone because it was part of the dust at the bottom of the lake. The fish had died and had dropped down to the bottom of the lake and their bones had become dust. So, so fish bone is actually, you can get it in the garden center. It's actually perfect for plants. So this is what the Amazon is getting in the dust that gets transported over. The Amazon, believe it or not, is nutrient poor because the, in the rainy season, the rains wash uh, a lot of the nutrients out of the Amazon, out to sea. So the Amazon is actually in need in order to finally balance its nutrient level. The Amazon is in, in need of these nutrients. Um, and tons, you're talking about tons Tons of dust coming across every year, every single year. It, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible to think that this goes on. Um, and it can't be random. Like, what are the chances of uh, something like this happening, uh, you know, mathematically? Or if you were sitting in the Amazon and you were saying to yourself, you know, as a scientist, okay, uh, we need nutrients, specific nutrients here for the trees in the Amazon. Where are we going to get them from? Like... There's no way you're going to think of a dry lake in the Sahara. You know, that's just not linear. It's not, 
a plus b equals c it's not how do we do it and that's the way our minds normally think we think in a very linear linear fashion but nature doesn't nature can can work out these interconnections and can you know give nutrients where they're needed can move things around in in a more associative way so it's associating different things that we don't see or we don't think about on a on a linear basis um more uh, research has also found uh, dust coming from the gobi desert uh, that that um, uh, sweeps across and provides nutrients like phosphorus for the great sequoias in california in the californian sierras uh, they get the benefit of uh, phosphorus from asia from the gobi desert that's quite quite incredible that these that these uh, interconnections exist and and i think they're no more you know plausible than the interconnections that i talk about here but you know between uh people nature and food it's just it's amazing for me to think about that these things are happening and many many more things are coming out now that science uh is is researching and with a lot more technology is being able to show us absolutely uh, incredible so just want to break for a little bit of music uh, now and i'll talk to you uh, just after the music thank you
Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that music. Um, it's actually from uh, it's podcast free music that I found uh, online. Somebody mentioned about if you. I mean, I do really want to play music, and uh, somebody mentioned about licensing issues. But there is podcast free music that you can get uh, online. Um, I would also at, at some point uh, get some guests on and um, and uh, have some music as well. But uh, we'll see where it goes. Anyway, hope you hope you enjoy the music. Um, I wanted to continue on about the interconnections and and think about you know what is there any science behind uh, what happens uh, in what we class as maybe the real world and and um, I do know that uh, you know science of us as observers uh, where we are spectators almost in a in, in a universe um, has changed over over the years and with quantum physics. Uh, the observer has real authority and does actually change the uh, the waves into particles. So, you know, by by virtue of the fact that we observe something, um, we are changing it. So there is something behind uh, what we look at, and I think you know we tend to forget that there is a magic happening at that level. Um, I know uh, David Bohm, a quantum physicist. Uh, you know, saw the electrons, the actual basic particles, you know, that make up uh, everything. Uh, he saw them as as uh, as having a consciousness, and uh, he said, you know, uh, with its ability to read information, the electron uh, could therefore be said to have proto mind. In other words, mind was not something that had evolved, but was already present. With the creation of the cosmos and that's quite phenomenal to think that you know all along there's a mind or a consciousness uh, that is present or you know and and working in the background or in behind all of these uh, interconnections that there is you know there's something moving all of these things um and i guess that richness to me is where the magic is and we don't you know, let anybody tell us that the world is flat or um, lifeless or black, you know grey and black and white. I think there's full of there's a life, there's a magic to these interconnections. You know, we think about the Ricardo uh, connection. You know, he just arrived on the square to help with the IKEA uh, boxes. Biagio, the morning I was walking out, he's there. Like I don't think these are random. I think there's something moving behind. Um, and I had a phenomenal, uh, when I was writing a book, um, just a, like an interconnection that I had to lie down, I had to lie down afterwards. It was, it was literally uh, that, 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 that amazing. Um, I originally, when I was writing about interconnections, I noticed on the screen uh, uh, an image where scientists had found that galaxies were interconnected whole galaxies were interconnected because before this um scientists and you might have seen loads of images just separate galaxies all individual galaxies uh, spread out across the, the universe and here was an image showing that actually galaxies aren't all separate individually they're they're connected um and a scientist called uh when i saw it at the bottom of the image it was just s s dot cantalupo and the image uh, showed um, a, a, a quasar, a, 
illuminated behind the galaxies so it was like shining a torch on the connections to all the galaxies this quasar lit up and shone on all the galaxies and you could see the connections which are hydrogen filaments you could see all the connections of all the galaxies and it, the scientists were just amazed that it was all you know all showing up like this so so i'd seen the the name at the bottom s dot cantalupo and when i was getting the book uh, finally uh, finished and published i needed to get um agreement and permission for all the images so i wanted to include the image of the galaxies uh, interconnected and so i looked up uh, s dot cantalupo uh, he was in um, sebastiano cantalupo is his name and he was in santa cruz uh, university in california so for some reason i thought with the name i've been to to california and the um telescope that he looked at uh, through was in hawaii for some reason I, I i i thought he might be mexican with a name like that so anyway i emailed him could i get i'm an irish guy in southern italy i've written the book custodians i love to use his image because it's such a powerful image of the interconnectedness of the galaxies could i use the image um and uh, he emails me back and he says uh ciao vincent uh, I'm not quite sure you know all the connections. Uh, he said, um, now I'd given him details about the publisher of the book, uh, you know, where I live and all. He said, I'm not quite sure you know all the connections. He said, uh, uh, my name is Sebastiano Cantalupo and I am originally from the Cilento, where you are now living. Cilento is a national park in southern Italy where, where I live. And he said, not only am I from the Cilento, uh, but I was born and raised for the first 18, 18 years of my life in the village of your publisher, the village where your book was published. Now, I just could not, in any sense of the word, I could just not understand this. He had taken me from a, an image of interconnected galaxies way out uh, to him living and, and being born and raised an hour down the road from me. like. What type of connection is, is that? Taking it from way out in the galaxies all the way back to a local, uh, to a local and so local that um, he comes back to visit his, his, uh, his parents uh, every summer. And uh, we arranged, as, as you do, we arranged to be for a pizza. So <laughs> uh, quite, uh, quite phenomenal. I was just, you know, to, even to get an email back from him because he's a scientist surveying galaxies like i didn't you know i wanted permission for the image but i didn't uh i, I really didn't expect but to to know that i could sit beside him and have a pizza is is uh is quite incredible he's now in uh in zurich uh in the astrophysics uh department in zurich so really looking forward to having a pizza and sharing some interconnectedness with him with him this summer so uh what i wanted to do was um you know su summarize uh, you know all those interconnections and the magic behind that i see total magic behind the ricardo the biagio um you know the baudelaire and also sebastiano cantalupo these are all magical interconnections but they're not the only one they have to be happening all the time for us they have to, have to be happening all all there that it is a living a living landscape it is 
you know, behind, there is a mind, a proto-mind, as David Bohm said, that operates, that, that, that you know, moves, uh, uh, that the world is alive. And um, it's something that I'd love to hear uh, your, 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 your comments on. It's something that's, that really is palpable uh, uh, for me. Um, what I wanted to uh, uh, talk about now is just, and, and to include in, in all the podcasts, uh, is is a fantastic story, you know, very positive uh, uh, story. So uh, the one that that's come onto my radar over the last few days is uh, is one about uh, Chile, Chile and, and Patagonia. Um, a, a family, uh, Tompkins is their name, Douglas and and Christina uh, Tompkins. Um, they uh, donated. They had gathered over the years uh, different tracts of land in, in Chile and Patagonia. And they donated one million acres, which to me is like a phenomenal, like one million acres of land to the Chilean government. Uh, this is just just re- just recently now, um, on the basis that if the Chilean government would add in more acres, uh, that they could set up a kind of a national park and like a network of parks, if the Chilean government did it well. Uh, the Chilean government actually added in even more than the Tompkins had imagined, had added in, decided to add nine million acres. And so that with the one million acres the Tompkins added in gave 10 million acres. So they've created in Chile uh, the Patagonia National Park System, 10 million acres. It's actually, to get an understanding of it, it's three times the size of Yosemite and Yellowstone combined. It's three times the size size of that. So you have protection for pumas, condors, flamingos, and endangered deer species. Like it's vast, it's really vast. Uh, and it's funny how it happened actually, because um, Douglas and uh, Christina, Douglas had in 1961, uh, he visited Patagonia as an 18 year old hiking. Uh, there and was just he just fell in love with the place and um, it, it just it just wooed him and then when he married Christina uh, she was working uh, and became CEO of, of the Patagonia clothing company um, and they, they had also started uh, uh, start North Face in 1991 so a lot of the uh, profits that they made from those companies they put into buying and gathering land together which they they donated uh, back to um, the Chilean government uh, sadly Douglas uh, uh, passed away in a, in, a, in a kayaking accident but um, Christina uh, uh, lives on to uh, to keep the conservation uh, in that area going but it's a phenom- phenomenal story 10 million acres that are now uh, reserved in a national park. Um, you know, so 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 positive to know that these things are are, are happening. So um, yeah, I wanted to include that and and, and always include uh, positive stories uh, of of the amazing things that are happening um, all around the world. And if you have any of those, please uh, please message me uh, any ones that you have. Delighted to talk to you, delighted to be able to share from uh, a tiny little medieval village on top of a hill in southern Italy. Um, so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please give me any feedback and uh, look forward to hearing from you soon. Bye for now. 
Oh, 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 oh,